Good morning, family. So I went to Risen Church Northwest uh, last Sunday and had the opportunity to preach there, and it was a, a great time in worship with our family. And they have two services, and both times I had to come up and go back down and then come back up because when I said good morning, family, it sounded like two people were in the room. The beauty is I'm at home and I feel so at peace and at ease, but I still have to go back down and start again because <clears throat> that was as sad a good morning as I've heard in a week now at this point. Good morning, family. Good morning. Welcome home, Michael. Welcome home. Thank you. It is a joy to be home. I don't ever feel like I need to put on a show. Uh, you all have heard me say it before. I really don't like live streaming, and I'm just going to keep on saying it because I don't like it. Uh, but one of the reasons why is because I feel like, man, all of this goes out on the Internet, and you can't just delete it and take it back. But I just love being able to be transparent and vulnerable, so if it goes on the Internet, so be it. Uh, but I felt as we were singing this morning, as I was spending time in the Word this week, just to be... Uh, honest, transparent, vulnerable uh, in this moment. Uh, I preached my first sermon back in 2007. So that's about 16 years ago now. And after all of these years of preaching and teaching the gospel, I still get very nervous when I get ready to get up before the people of God. <clears throat> My body starts shaking. I'm like, what is happening, Michael? Like, just calm down. 16 years, man. You should just be in your element, you know, but I uh, felt the reason why it was helpful to share that couple of reasons. I feel like when people experience me, it seems like I'm so confident and bold. I'm really nervous and scared, but I believe that God is faithful and he's real. And I believe that that'll be helpful even as we go through today's passage, because what we're really going to be talking about is obedience. Right? We don't do what we do because it comes easy or it feels good or it's always fun, but because God is faithful, right? and because we have a faithful God, we get up and do things that make our bodies shake and make us feel a little bit scared, and then we just watch God get the glory. And my prayer is that for all of us, no matter what we do or how we do, that even if somebody should come later and say thank you, that yes, you say you're welcome. But remember, all the glory goes to God, because if it was just me, I still am at, I guess I was 27 around that time. I still feel like that 27-year-old kid now. Then I'm 43. I was a kid then. I was a grown man back then. But, <clears throat> but I still feel like that 27-year-old kid getting up for the first time, not knowing quite what to do and how this will go. And so it's never a show for me when I say, pray with me, pray for me. Because it's in that prayer that I start to feel my nerves calm down just a little bit. And then after we read the scripture at that point, it's like, Lord, do what you do. And it's a different experience. So in this moment, I ask that you will join me in a word of prayer. Pray with me that the Lord would have his way and continue to speak to and through feeble people to do what only he can. And pray for me that my body will stop shaking. <laughs> and I can formulate a few sentences so that the word can be uh, clear. Father, we're so grateful that in your infinite wisdom, you choose to use people 
to do your mighty works in and through. And so, Lord, it's not because of experience. It's not because of perfection that we do anything, but it's because you're faithful. So, Father, we trust that you'll be faithful in this hour to speak a word that will encourage us, that will teach us, that will show us your glory so that we might know you, love you, and live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25 read. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had become betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. This is the word of God. The word of God is good all by itself. As we look at the gospel according to Matthew, Matthew lets us know who Jesus is, what Jesus did, and why Jesus did it. Biblical scholars believe in reading through Matthew, that Matthew's primary audience, the original audience, was a Jewish audience, Jewish believers in Jesus Christ. And it's very easy to see how they might even come to that conclusion just looking at the opening part of chapter 1. In this opening sentence even, Matthew makes a very clear statement that Jesus is the Son of God. The fulfillment of a promise that was spoken centuries ago. Verse 1 of Matthew chapter 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ. The son of David. The son of Abraham. This word Christ means anointed one. The Messiah. The one that the Jews had been waiting for to come and to redeem them, to reconcile them, to rule and reign. And so when Matthew goes ahead and links Jesus Christ to the son of David and the son of Abraham, what he's doing is, is he's linking back to the Abrahamic covenant 
and the Davidic covenant to communicate that Jesus is the one that we have been waiting so long for. And so just because I don't believe many of us in here are Jews, I want to take a moment to read over some Old Testament passages so we can understand what it is Matthew is looking to tell us about who Jesus is. The Abrahamic covenant, Abraham, just a quick high-level overview of chapter 22 in Genesis. Abraham has a promised seed, Isaac. He gives Isaac, he's ready to give Isaac to be sacrificed in obedience to what God had tested him with. And because he was willing to do that, the Lord provided a ram and made a promise to Abraham. And this is the promise. Genesis chapter 22, verses 15 through 18. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. In your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. And Jesus, Matthew is saying, is the son of Abraham. He's the offspring through which all the nations would be blessed. And while I want to jump over real quick to Samuel, I just want to point out here, because this is just the truth that blessed my soul even as I was meditating on it this morning. In verse 15, and the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time. The angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ. So the Old Testament, there are several points where we have what are called Christophanies, where Jesus makes his presence known. It was a moment such as this. It was a time where the burning bush, where the angel of the Lord spoke to Moses. So here is Jesus talking to Abraham about his offspring, which is himself, through which all the nations would be blessed. And if you don't believe that that's true, at some point you can go back and read over John 8 where Jesus was talking to a crowd of Jews that was ready to kill him. And his drop the mic moment at the end, he says, before Abraham was, I am. I'm like, God, that's you. <laughs> Next week, people. I mean, just before Abraham. So here is Jesus making a promise to Abraham, and he is the fulfillment of that promise. Matthew understood it, and he wanted to make sure that his audience understood it as well. But Jesus is also the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant, and we can see that by looking at 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 11b through 13. This is what the Lord spoke to David through the prophet Nathan. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise you up. I will raise up for you offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. This is Jesus the Christ, the son of Abraham. 
through whom all the nations would be blessed. The son of David, the one who through a kingdom would be built up and reign forever. Who is Jesus? The son of God. And Matthew lets us know what he did. And we've been spending the last couple of weeks remembering that Jesus was born. And I've been just captivated by this thought, and I think it's important to pause, even though we've been talking about it, to just remind us to not gloss over this reality, that Jesus was a baby. And so as we look to unpack a little bit more about what Jesus did and why he did it, remember the creator of the universe, the scriptures are telling us, was conceived. The human mind can't truly fathom it. But this is what Jesus did. And this news that we are familiar with should never become commonplace for us. Because Jesus, if we know who he is, the Christ, the fulfillment of the the covenant, the promise that God made, even going back to Genesis chapter 3, he came. This is truth that if we remember who he is, this should continually blow our minds. We could do this every week. What are you talking about in June, Michael? Jesus was a baby. He's going to do it again. And we're going to keep doing it because really, can you really grasp that? Can I really teach it well enough? Like, oh, it was a good thing that Michael was preaching this week and not Sean because Sean really didn't unpack it that well. But Michael just made it plain. You're right. My bad. I was, I was thank you, thank you. Bring it down, Michael. You know, but... <laughs> But when Michael said it, I just, now I understand, like, no, you didn't. It was just as confusing, but it was just enough where it's like, Lord, thank you for letting me know that I can't fully understand it. But man, you're God, and you are good. So as we engage with this truth, may we be captivated anew by the fact that the creator was conceived. Joseph, this is what the angel said to Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. The creator was conceived. Deity became dependent. God the Son put on flesh. Philippians helps us understand just a little bit of how this moment came to be and how beautiful it really is and how mind-blowing it should continue to be. Philippians chapter 2. This is what took place for deity to put on humanity. Verse 5, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, 
even death on a cross. Jesus Christ, who was in the form of God, spirit, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. So he emptied himself. This was voluntary that the creator of the universe, God the Son, spirit and truth, would empty himself and take on the form of a servant. Now, what we have to understand is that when God the Son emptied himself, he did not remove deity from himself. He emptied himself of power. So he's still 100% God. But now he put on the form of a servant. And so he's 100% human. Still God. But he emptied himself and put on flesh. Now something that struck me that I'm just going to share with you because I feel it in my soul to do. We think too highly of our form. Jesus says that on your best day, your form is the form of a servant. Just, just look at yourself for a moment. I mean, just, just take a look at your hand. You know, this is the form of a servant. If we're not careful, we'll start to fill ourselves up with pride, thinking, oh, yeah, look at this. I'm, I'm looking strong and lean. Your servant, the form of a servant. Empty yourself. You have the form of a servant on. And because he was found in the form of a servant, in the likeness of men, says he humbled himself, became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. So the day that deity took on humanity was the greatest example of humility. And what we need to understand about humility is that, yes, while Jesus was gentle and lowly, Humility is not, oh, excuse me, I'm just, you know, I'm just, I'm just a humble Michael. No, no, I can't take credit. I know that that was a good job, but I'm just, I'm just humble. No, that's not what humility is. Humility is obedience. Jesus was clearly aware of who he was, who he is. It's the reason why later on in his ministry, he would go flipping up tables and chasing people out. He's like, oh, no, I'm just Jesus. I'm the kid. Do you mind not selling that? Get out of my father's house, making the house of prayer a den of thieves. But Jesus demonstrates humility in that he was willing to be obedient, humbled himself by becoming obedient. And the word says that we are to have this mind in us, which is ours in Christ Jesus. We're going to come back to that in just a moment. But to understand again the beauty of this true story that Jesus became a baby. Know who he is. He is the Christ, God the Son. He was in glory with the Father and the Spirit, creating all things, holding all things together. And the fulfillment of the promise would be willing to put on flesh. Why would you do that, Jesus? For people who are going to mock you, spit on you, whip you, kill you. Jesus tells us here in the word 
love. He loves you, and he loves the Father. It says in verse 21, she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. In verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God, deity, with us, took on humanity. He did it because he wanted to save his people from their sins, and he did it because he had every intention to do what the Father had desired, to fulfill that which the Father spoke through the prophet Isaiah, that which the Father spoke in the Garden of Eden after sin entered his creation. God, the Son, was willing to take off the form of God and put on the form of servant because he loves you and he loves the Father. Listen, we can start to think that in this form that we somehow need to achieve perfection. But what Jesus understands is that this is merely the form of a servant. You need help. And here's the good news of great joy. Help has come. Deity has put on humanity and was willing to humble himself so that he can die for the sins of all God's people. And so now we no longer need to put on a show. We no longer need to perform. I can get up here with all of my messy self and believe because God loves me. That he would be willing for reasons that I still cannot fully comprehend to use me for his glory. To share his story. This is God's good news. That should bring all of us great joy. Because unto us this day a savior has been born. It's good news. And while it's familiar, it should always bring us great joy. Deity put on humanity. Listen, you're not going to take off this $1,000 suit. Which I don't know who would buy a $1,000 suit. But if you did... Come talk to me. I need to borrow some money from you. But if you did, you're not going to take that off to put on some trash. No. I mean, you, you really have to engage all of you in the word of God. The form of God? What? And you put on the form of why? And while I'm not going to get the full answer to that why question... Why would you do that, Jesus? That makes sense. May the reality that I will never really understand it only cause me to be that much more captivated by a love that would do something that I could never fully comprehend. And then may I stop trying to act like I need to be and start to trust that God loves me and would do a work in me and through me. And then in his grace and mercy still choose to use me. And if we can engage with the truth of this story, who Jesus is, what he has done, and why he has done it, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. We should live this same way. We should be willing to empty ourselves and humble ourselves and do what God says.
That's how we live. We need to stop trying to perform and let people think that I've got it all figured out. Let people think that my life is polished and all put together. I'll keep saying it because I don't think that we really are wrestling with it that well. Because we're still stressed out, we're overwhelmed, and we're not asking for help. You are about to break your back trying to carry that weight. There are five people around you, and you're not going to ask for help because you don't want them to see you sweat. Listen, I'm sweating. Can you please grab that? As a matter of fact, if you'll all grab it, I can go ahead and take a break for a moment. Instead, it's like we're trying to do a work for God instead of letting God do a work through us. And then we're burning out as a result of it. The rapid rate that leaders in the church are falling out because they're trying to do a work for God is absolutely sad. I'm sharing with you about this good news of great joy. Meanwhile, I'm not living in the joy of Jesus myself. I'm done performing. This is me, people. Like it or leave it. I'm not trying to bring you anything other than the good news of great joy. It's not polished. I stumble over words. Sometimes I say the wrong word. That's just what it is. But if the gospel can be seen rightly, then Lord, use my feeble, frail frame so that others might glorify you. That's how we live and not just preaching or teaching the gospel. That's how we live in the workplace. That's how we live in school. That's how we live in the grocery store. I'm not, I'm not special in and of myself. It's because of who God is. And now we can live in humility, which again is obedience to the word of God. And that's what Jesus expects. Listen, Jesus did not leave heaven and come to earth to die for our sins so that we can now sit on the sidelines and say, hey, thanks, Jesus. That was great. When you're done, will you bring me my, my glass of juice too? You know, Jesus did what he did, and now the scriptures say he's our great example. And he has every expectation that we would follow in his footsteps and that we would live in obedience to the word of God as well. Hear the words of Jesus, John 14, verse 21 through 24. There's so many different passages that I could have gone to. I was like, man, it's just so much. But I'm going to just land here. Whoever has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father, and I will love him and manifest myself to him. Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? Jesus answered him, if anyone loves me, listen, he will keep my word, and my father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Whoever does not love me does not keep my words. And the word that you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. Now, Jesus was talking about the Holy Spirit that he was going to send in his name, was going to make his holy habitation in these earthen jars of clay. But Jesus' full expectation is clearly communicated by his disciples is that Jesus expects us to do the same thing that he did. 
He came to fulfill the will of his father. And now he's speaking the words of his father. And he says, if you love him, you will do what he says. And he's saying what the father says. If you don't do what he says, then you don't love him. And you don't have any part of him, which means you have no part of the father. So Jesus' expectation, the one who was in heaven, who came to earth and was willing to die for our sins, is that we would now follow in him, in his footsteps, and live out the word of God, that we would humble ourselves, that we would be obedient to the word of God. This is what it looks like to live for the Lord. Jesus, our great example. And there's some people who would argue and wrestle and think that, oh, but then I can't do this, that, and the other. See, again, if you don't understand what Matthew is trying to teach through the leading of the Holy Spirit, who God is, what he did, and why he did it, yes, you might argue, oh, but now I don't get to do this, that, and the other. But when you realize who God is, what he did, and why he did it, what do you say to someone who was the form of God and puts on the form of servant for you while you were weak and in your sinful state and would be willing to die for you? Well, could you do just a little bit more? If I gave you a million dollars, there's nothing that I could ask of you that would be inconvenient. Like, hey, can you go run to the store for me real quick? It's just right across the street, but I just, I don't feel like getting up. Yeah, uh, I was spending some time with my mother, and I'm an hour away from the store that's right across the street from you. But, hey, mom, I love you. I'll talk to you later. I got to run to the store. Like, you're going to go. Like, this is the person who gave me a million dollars. Of course I'm going to say yes to everything they ask of me. I don't suggest you do that if you're spending time with your mom, but you would. What do you say to Jesus? Who makes a million dollars look like nothing because to him it is nothing. Ah, oh, Jesus, you want me to you want me to stop using foul language so that people can hear me speak words that are seasoned with grace? Like, oh, but I, I really feel like when I use those words, it lets people know I'm serious. Stop using it. I didn't say it, it says it in the scriptures, Jesus. You want me to stop? Lying, cheating, and stealing. But man, money comes so fast when I do it that way. Like, what do you say to Jesus? You want me to stop pursuing earthly gain? Though it couldn't buy me glory? But it makes me feel so comfortable to have all those things. No, when you know who he is and what he has done and why he did it, Lord, I leave it all behind I leave it all behind because that's the example that you set for me you left it all behind you emptied yourself I mean he could have spoke things into existence instead now he's having to breathe oxygen can you see I'm, he's breathing the oxygen that he created like I make some good oxygen I mean, when you, again, when you really engage with what it means for Jesus to be human, we can't leave here thinking that we should be chasing after something else. We can't leave here saying, God, I give you 80%. We can't leave here saying, you know what? I like Jesus, but I don't like the church. 
been married for 18 years. I promise you, if you come to me and say, Michael, I love you, but I really just don't like your wife, you hate me then. Now, you really, you cannot receive me and not receive Jomar. It's not going to happen. You cannot receive Jesus and say that you don't want to have anything to do with the bride that he chose to build. You see, these are the things that we have to engage with if we're truly going to be humble. Not the false sense of humility. No, but the true humility that says, I know who you are, Jesus. I know what you have done, and I know why you did it. And I'm going to do whatever you would ask of me because you're a good God who does all things well. Listen, we've engaged with this truth for a long time, and I'm not talking about in these last few fleeting moments. If you've known Jesus for more than a year, for more than a day, and there's some truths that you've come to know, right? And before we like, oh, yeah, good, good, that's a good, good Christmas message. I don't even know what is a Christmas message anyway. It's the word of God. It's always good. <clears throat> but if we engaged with it, like how do we leave here now and not wrestle with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to our hearts? How do we leave here and look to determine, oh, that was a good sermon. What made it good? Energy level, no feedback, good job, son. Like, what, what made it good? <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit gripped your heart and you couldn't sit there and ignore anymore the fact that you have idols on the mantle and that now you realize that you need to do something with that because you have not put God in his rightful place? Is that what made it a good message? I pray that's what makes it a great message because I'm not here to entertain. This may be my last sermon, and if it was, I wouldn't be mad at God. I'm like, Lord, thank you, because I'm tired of shaking like that. But if it is or isn't, what makes it great isn't how well I do. It's how much we're willing to respond to the truth of God's word. So I want to take a few moments before we enter back into a time of praise for you to sit in this truth. I want to invite the praise team back up and really wrestle with what the Holy Spirit is speaking to your heart. I acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. And if you haven't, that's what he's wrestling with you in your heart. Acknowledge that today. If you have, and you know what he's done and why he's done it, then especially in this season, where for some reason it seems like people are more willing to give sacrificially, as though Jesus only was born and to be celebrated in December. We should be sacrificial givers in June. July shouldn't matter the month, right? Like when we wrestle with it, like, Lord, what am I holding back on the other other 11 months then? What is he calling us to? What is he calling you to? It's personal. He came to save you from your sins. Are you willing 
to leave it all and run for him? I pray that the Holy Spirit is just gripping all of our hearts because I know he's gripping mine. And I want you to write that down. I want you to pray over that. I'm going to take a knee, and then I'll pray for us in the next couple of minutes. And if you need to take a posture of a knee or if you need to stand, if you need to go find a corner because you just need to to be with God in such a way that allows the Holy Spirit to grip and grab a hold of you, then it's you and Jesus. Listen, don't perform for anybody else around you. This is personal. I refuse to leave here the same way I came in. May we all have that conviction. May we come to Jesus today.